This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show on BFM, and my name is Ali Johan. Joined tonight as ever by most informative automotive specialist, Daniel Fernandez. Good evening everybody and welcome back to Cruise Control. Yeah, so as usual, a show in three parts. We've got some new car launches to look forward to in the coming months and weeks. Um, and also a discussion on the all-new Toyota Vios incoming next year. But we've got information about it already. Um, and also, at the end of the show, a used car guide if you're in the market for a 20-year-old Nissan Serena. But to kick off the show, we've got some news and car launches. Okay, fresh this week in the car launch news, uh, Sam Dhabi Auto Connection have launched the all-new Ford Ranger in Malaysia, the Ford Ranger XL, and it comes in three trim levels and also a high-spec Ford Ranger Wild Track as well. All these new Ford Rangers are exclusively powered by a 2-litre EcoBlue turbo diesel four-cylinder engine. It looks great. And you know, actually, if you think about it, Ford Rangers have never looked less than macho. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they've always had that that whole American pickup truck uh, aggressive look. Even though the previous models were purely an ASEAN model, but this model apparently it's a global model, so it'll go to a lot of countries around the world. We are not the first to get it because the demand for this new Ranger in uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Thailand, where it was launched before us, has been overwhelming. So. I think the same is going to happen in Malaysia. Uh, the prices start from 108,000, which is a little bit more than what it, it used to be. And it goes up to 168,000 for the wild track. The thing is, after talking to some of the executives and salespeople at uh, Saim Dhabi Auto Connection, which is the local distributor, it looks like the wild track is the one that's going to sell the most. Um, I know some listeners will be asking very soon. What about the Raptor? Do you know about the Raptor? Another pickup truck by Ford? Yes. The Raptor is basically, how, how to put it, the top dog. It is the ultimate Ford pickup truck. In fact, it is the ultimate pickup truck. Until the Raptor came out a few years ago, there were no other competitor for that particular segment. It was 199000 Yes, it was 50000 more than the, than the Wild Track at that time. Hmm. But it sold like crazy because, you know, when people have a pickup truck and they move up the ladder, there's only so far you can go and the, and the, and the top dog was the, the wild track at the time. So when the Raptor came out with a lot of extra, you know, aggression, power, uh, you know, uh, suspension systems from Fox and all kinds of things, people were willing to pay that extra 50000 So now there is a new Raptor to, to follow suit with this new range of uh, Ford Rangers and it'll be coming to Malaysia in a few months' time. So, the only worry is the price will move up, estimated to be about 220000 I see. When, once it goes beyond the 200000 mark, then it's a different category, a different ball game already for pickups, right? Yes. And the thing is, the competition is looking at this and saying, hey, we got to do the same thing. So, don't be surprised if you see the competition coming out with a Raptor competitor but at lower price point. For me, the thing about pickups, um, usually when we look at uh, other companies that do pickup trucks like Toyotas and Isuzus, the back row is always a concern because you have the, the storage the, the area. The rear seats you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, the rear seats 
tend to be or always seems to be from the outside looks like a, a bit too tight but with this uh, line of Ford Rangers they look quite spacious in the rear seats yes in fact you know at the moment all the rivals also have pretty good rear seats because over the years they've realized that you know a lot of people who buy these pickup trucks also use it as a family vehicle also use it for carrying people so whether you're carrying your kids or carrying your friends or carrying your co-workers or even carrying your workers you still need a little bit of comfort so there's only so much they can do in terms of space because if you make the cab too big the cab is where the you know the cabin area right too big then you lose out on the utility area at the back and then some people say hey, i need the utility area because i need to carry barang i need to carry my plumbing things i need to carry my electrical things depending what kind of work you do and you know some people have already started using these pickup trucks for things like you know carrying bicycles carrying motorcycles uh, carrying generator sets so there is a certain sweet spot which you cannot play with so what you can do is you can play with with the thickness of the seat uh, you know a little bit of the leg room you can play with you can play with a little bit of height but you know there's only so much you can do and this is why pickup trucks tend to stay in that segment you know because you if you make it too big then you can you can drive it on Malaysian roads like if you look at american pickup trucks they are huge right mm. they got a lot of space at the back for the for the rear seaters and also for utility but they are just too big for our roads and they will not go into any shopping mall kappa <laughs> they can't even get past the height limit right i can imagine it yes. to be a yes. problem so uh, ford ranger xl models are priced uh, as daniel mentioned earlier starting from 108000 and the highest spec the wild track is 168888 and on top of that a 5 year or 160000 km manufacturer warranty uh, offered for the ford ranger so go and check it out Moving on to the big launch late last week by Mercedes-Benz, they rolled out their fleet of electric cars in Malaysia. Just last week, we spoke about the announcement of the EQA, and then subsequently, a couple of days later, they launched three—not one, but three—EQ cars, which are the EQS sedan, the seven-seater EQB, and also the compact SUV EQC. So that makes Mercedes-Benz having four electric cars in showrooms right now. Because they already had the GLA earlier, mm. which they call the EQA. They call it the GLA because it's based on the GLA platform. That's a small crossover slash SUV. Uh, we actually reviewed it last week. Remember? Yeah. That is already doing well. A long waiting list is building up for that. And guess what? They launched these three vehicles, and yes, there is also a waiting list because there is a huge demand for electric cars right now because they are fully imported and they got no tax on them. So Mercedes-Benz is moving very fast. The EQS 450 plus sedan was launched at 698,000 ringgit. Now this car comes with a very very powerful battery. Um, so it has a driving range at the moment the best driving range of any electric car in Malaysia of 782 kilometers. So if you're looking for something with a really good driving range and a luxury car. At just below seven hundred thousand ringgit, you can't go wrong. So, what it be competing with now is about all about driving range. So, Mercedes in Europe already has a car that can do a thousand kilometers driving range. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the battery technology is there. It's just a matter of time. All the other cars will get there. Of course, when you have a big battery, you also have a lot of power. So, it has three hundred and thirty-three horsepower, five hundred and sixty-five newton meters of torque, which gives it a zero to hundred. Acceleration time of 6.2 seconds. There will be people out there in the electric car space who say, "Why only 6.2 seconds?" You know, Ali. Hmm. All the electric cars that are selling right now 
uh, most of them, like the, the Porsches, the Hyundais and all that, even the Volvo um, the XC40 recharge, it's all about zero to 100 acceleration. Everyone is so excited when they get into it, one of these cars and test drive them at the showroom because the acceleration times are all below five. This one seems a bit heavy. Yes. So why is it 6.2? It's not because the car can't do four seconds or even three seconds. Simple. Mercedes-Benz wants the battery to last. Mercedes-Benz wants you to last and give you that driving distance. Now, if you keep accelerating hard, any electric car, if you accelerate hard, what's going to happen? Your driving range is going to be reduced. Right. So by keeping that 0 to 100 at 6.2 seconds, which is still fast enough, I mean, between 4 seconds and 6 seconds, can you actually feel a lot of difference? Apart from your neck snapping back, True what that. is the point? Yeah, right? what is the point? So uh, they're being sensible about it, you know? Yes, and as far as the charging goes, it charges for about uh, 10 hours in a trickle charge and so a fast charging that can bring up uh, the battery to 80% in just 30 minutes. Correct. Even with such a large battery, you're still able to do a DC fast charge in 30 minutes. Now, 30 minutes is still not very fast. 30 yep. minutes means you still have to get yourself a drink or you know read a good book or do some yoga you know, yep. while while waiting for this car to charge but this is the current generation of electric cars nobody can promise you 10 minutes five minutes unless they do something miraculous and also damage the battery in the long run mm -hmm. so with this you got 30 minutes you work it out i will look at it this way if you got a driving range of 700 over kilometers you probably need to charge the car only once a week yeah huh? yeah so, so once a week you charge it at home you you do it overnight 10 hours, what's the problem? That's true. Right. So they also got the EQB 350. Yeah. Now, that's a slightly bigger vehicle. Um, it looks like a proper SUV. It's only 330,000. And know? I take that this borrows from the GLB line? Correct. You got it right. And then they got the other seven-seater, which is the EQC 400, right? Yes, yes. Now, that looks like something totally not available right now in the Mercedes showroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right. I mean, it looks big, it looks intimidating, it's got AMG trim line, it's only 390000 Now, this is where I'm going to be a little bit of a spoil spot line, you know? Yeah, if I'm going to pay 330 for the EQB, right? Yes. I might as well pay another 60000 and get the EQC. Because the EQC has got a bigger battery, it's got more power. Look at it, 408 horsepower. That's more than the sedan. Yeah. 760 Newton meters of torque, okay? And it's an SUV. You know, right? Everybody wants an SUV, right? And then the 0 to 100 is 5.1 seconds. Wow, that's good electric car territory already in terms of 0 yes. to 100. But then look, the battery can only go 437 kilometers. Always a trade-off somehow. Yeah, so that's why I said, when you, when you want fast acceleration, you trade off somewhere. Yes, the battery is a different size and everything else. But roughly, you can see that the game is all about how much juice you got, how big a battery, how long the charging time, and how how fast or how far can you go? You know, so I'm sure with the with the with the EQC, if you didn't push it hard, you know, like 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 you know, all the time zero to hundred zero to hundred, your driving distance would be very good. You know, but then again, even at four hundred and thirty, you'll probably use it you know three four days and then you charge it overnight. Yeah, which only takes about seven hours. Seven hours. Not that much if you charge it at home overnight. So, That's you know? true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I had a up close look at all the three releases when it came out and I gotta say I'm a big fan of the EQB 
because of the oh, shape. Oh, you like the, the, the shape of the EQB? Yes, and especially, you know, the, 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 the last row that can fold down completely makes it more spacious. It becomes a five-seater, essentially. So uh, it's so, like a big station wagon. Yeah, and uh, the two seats in the in the third row can also accommodate children comfortably enough. So it's yes. not so tight in the back. EQC takes the cake for the nicest looking out of all mm. the three. But the notable um, features on the EQS sedan, which is the gigantic infotainment screen that connects from the driver to the passenger. I'm not too sure yeah. about that. And I know it's the future, but I'm, I feel like touch screens that are in that size is distracting. Maybe I think you're around my age line. <laughs> I, I'd like something you know, small, petite, easy to use. Because why? I think something that's too big is, like you said, distracting. There's, there'll be It'll be too glaring at night probably. Yes, you can adjust the lighting and everything else. But you know, the person sitting next to you will be like so taken by it, they'll want to play around with the screens. Already with current cars that have big screens, like you know, Mercedes has the twin twin rectangular screens. You know, when I take people in the car, they're always so taken by how it's it's entertaining to look at, you know? Yeah. And I think this is just a little bit too large. But guess what? When they do their product testing and when they do their, you know, evaluation or research people want big screens the new bmw i7 screen is from left to right it's a tv in the back of the car you know <laughs> maybe that's the future i don't understand what's going on with, with with people if you want tv have it at home you know i agree with that uh, but just a quick look at what all the three eq cars currently have um you know in terms of design they've got this nice connected taillight design in the back frontal look um, a unique new grille complemented with angular headlights that gives it the, the very distinctive EV look to the three fleets. And of course, if you look closer inside, excellent interior, very well thought out for driver and passenger experience. So worth checking out the EQ series by Mercedes-Benz. If you ask me, I think it's just going to sell out like everything else in, in their lineup. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to wait a few months or maybe even a year. But you know, when you're talking about electric car, you order it now, you know you're going to get it and you know you're going to get it tax-free. So put your order in and just wait okay so moving on to French brand Renault are currently testing their electric compact car in Malaysia the 2022 edition of the Zoe you know Tanchong Tanchong had the Nissan Leaf and also Renault they, 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 they take care of both brands right right so some years ago Tanchong introduced the first Renault Zoe now it was not well received not because of its shape not because of its features not because of its driving distance but simply because there was not a big charging infrastructure in Malaysia there was maybe a handful and you know people were not ready to, to dive into electric car ownership now two years before they launched that Zoe they launched the Nissan Leaf big promo big incentives and everything else how many do you see on the road I think today to catch one on the road is almost impossible you that know? is true yeah it's hard to find a Nissan Leaf on the road the Zoe you'll see a little bit more especially around Pataling Jaya because they had a few customers it was selling for about 145,000 but now, because Malaysians are just jumping up and down for the whole idea for electric car ownership and, you know, trying to get electric cars to be as cheap as possible, which is not possible because of our currency exchange and also the cost of batteries, it is not going to go down to below 100,000 ringgit. But there's still a group of people willing to pay, you know, 180, 190, 200,000, right? Yep. So Renault has decided to bring in the new Zoe. Now, interesting fact, the Renault Zoe was the best-selling electric car in Europe from day one. Now, how did the Europeans love this little car? Because why? No one is talking about four, five, six hundred driving range. They could charge it every few days. They could charge it every night, you know? Very easy to manage, I guess. 
Yeah, it's easy to manage. You know, you don't you don't have to think about charging infrastructure. You basically come home and you charge it. Right. So while you're sleeping, the battery is charging. It takes about five hours to charge. So that is why with the new Zoe, it'll probably be 160, 170, maybe even 180. I'm not sure yet, depending on what, how they, 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 they spec it. But we stumbled upon a Zoe being tested at uh, undisclosed location. And we were told that there were, there were three in Malaysia running around, just making sure everything is going to be be proper when it when it's launched and uh, it looks pretty good if you look at the pictures this this car you know it's very stylish to look at you know it typically is. french you know yes i guess for its price it's going to be in there fight it out with brands like chinese brands of electric cars yes it'll also fight with the with the koreans because the koreans are also in the same price space you know right. mm. uh, so it'll, it'll be it'll be a it'll be a good addition to our current range of electric cars on offer but again it's not going to be cheap enough for middle-class Malaysians to own. This has to be upper middle-class and above. So are we looking at a 2023 release, maybe? No, they want to release it this year. They want to, they're, they're moving it very fast. Ah, that's great. Okay, so Renault Zoe electric cars currently being tested in Malaysia and we're going to be seeing them in the markets real soon. And um, yes. last piece of uh, launch on the local front is the very first locally assembled Kia Carnival, uh, the 2022 edition that just rolled out of the Inocom plant in Kulim, Kedah. And it's also uh, the very first locally assembled Kia after their partnership uh, a couple of years ago with Burma's Auto, who are now their authorised dealers. Yes. So, you know, the Kia Carnival was already uh, selling very well, right? Mm. This was fully imported. Now, fully imported, but it was 11-seater. And it did very well. I mean, it, it just flew out of the showrooms. You see them on the road. The price was just below 200,000 ringgit. Now comes a local assembled version, but it's a seven-seater. So seven-seater means it's got more luxury, uh, the seats are wider, the seats are bigger. Because it's local assembled doesn't mean the price comes down. Because it's a seven-seater, the price goes up. So it's 231,000 ringgit. Yeah, I was hoping for it to be cheaper. You see, a lot of people get mistaken. It doesn't mean that it's local assembled, the price will come down. But you see, the spec has gone up. Because mm. with a seven-seater or eight-seater configuration, you've got bigger seats. And bigger seats cost more money. The bench seats in the in the 11-seater are not so expensive. All this adds to cost. Okay? So this MPV is still running the same quick and, I would say, a talky 2.2-liter turbo diesel engine with an eight-speed automatic gearbox. It still has 199 horsepower and 440 newton meters of torque. But... Safety features have been enhanced. So, end of the day, there will be some hesitation with buyers because they'll be saying, why am I paying 30000 more? For example, like you, you thought, hey, you know, the price will come down to yeah. 170 180 Maybe I can stretch it for my next year's budget. But with 30000 more, like you said earlier, once you go above 200000 it's a different magical uh, experience, you know, <laughs> when it comes to buying a car. Yeah. But I think because of its good looks and its size, there will still be people saying, never mind, I'll pay the extra 30000 it is the same price as a reconditioned Japanese luxury MPV, which doesn't come with after-sales and doesn't come with warranty. And I mean, you know, the consideration for an 11-seater, you must have really big family or a lot of people to carry. And a 7- or 8-seater configuration seems about right for most MPVs as well. Uh, I saw other cool features on the car now. Um, it has front and rear heated and ventilated seats, which is a first for Kia Carnival, right? And yes. um, a second row that can fully recline. You can really lie down to sleep uh, in the second row, right? Mm. 
on top of the other ADAS uh, systems that they have uh, put on like forward collision avoidance, smart cruise control, lane following assist, lane keeping assist, blind spot collision, high beam assist and also safe exit assist. Yeah, so that is the CKD version of the Kia Carnival 2022 edition just launched. Um, it's going to be a bit more pricey than what we have right now that's imported, but it's probably worth a try. I think it's worth at least a test drive, you know, to see whether it's, you know, whether it's tickled you enough or not. So that's it for the new car launches this week. Uh, there's some new cars to get excited about in the coming weeks and months. And uh, we're going to go for a break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss the all-new Toyota Vios. Right here, Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control. Thank you for sticking with us. I'm Ali and Daniel Fernandez tonight. Now, we're going to be discussing a new car, all-new Toyota Vios that we just saw on Toyota Thailand's YouTube channel. right? So it's not here yet, but it's been posted as a teaser uh, and it's going to be here in the upcoming months. They've revealed an all-new design and size even of the Toyota Vios. Well, you know... At the moment, they're just teasing the interior and a little bit of the exterior. Hmm. So you're looking at a car that's going to be bigger. And when you say bigger, you're looking at probably the size of the older Corolla Altis. Every time a new car comes out, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Hmm. <laughs> Pretty soon, we'll, you know, <laughs> we'll have no more road space. So anyway, there's a new Vios coming. It's bigger in all dimensions, you know, whether it's height, length, width and everything else. Yeah. But that's not the important part. The important part is the picture that we shared on social media. Uh, you have seen the picture here. Yeah. The interior, the cabin. Okay? Yeah. Now, they've got this two-tone, funky-looking interior. Um, you know, the, the deep red against the black and grey. It's elevated the Vios to almost like, like you know, like a, like a starter luxury car, you know? Yeah, that's right. And you got the, that, that slightly curved towards you steering wheel, uh, which has got nice multifunction buttons on it. Uh, you can tell by the infotainment system, they've, they've put in what you see in the Corolla Cross and also in the RAV4 into the Vios. The gear shifter is chunkier. I mean, everything about this new Vios is going to be better in so many little ways. It's going to be hard for a current Vios owner to not want to upgrade. You get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to retain them. And you know, there's so many Vios owners out there. I mean, there's easily thousands of them. This is the car for them to, you know, wake up and say, okay, now I'll sell my Vios, even though it's been super reliable, no issues. You know, Vios owners are all very happy, you know? Yeah. And they probably think, ah, I don't need a new car because my aircon is still cold, you know? My car is still driving fine. My consumption is great. But when you see these new Vios, I can tell you a lot of them are going to move over and say, I want to start back another nine-year monthly installment yeah. because I want to drive this car. The minute you say Vios owners, I can already think of four of my friends who own Toyota Vioses. And they're happy, right? They're happy. No problems whatsoever. Mm. Um, so, engine-wise, new car, new engine? Yes, definitely. Definitely new engine because the old engine has been around for too long. Mm. It is a 20-year-old so, car. Yes. So, you now got dual VVTi, which is the same kind of engine you find in the modern Toyotas. CVT gearbox, okay? Right. And, uh, of course, safety features. They have to bring the safety features right up to the current range of uh, cars. And then, there will definitely be a hybrid version 
also. That's worth looking forward to as well. Yes, they need to go hybrid because their direct competitor, which is the Honda City, has got a hybrid version. So if they don't have a hybrid version, there'll be customers to say, oh, I need a new car. I like the Vios, but competition has got hybrid and, you know, I think I want to save fuel and save the environment. So I'll go with the competition. Toyota cannot afford that. Toyota cannot afford any of the customers going to the competition, even if there will be some you know, persuaded to go because of price point and design and everything else. Mm-hmm. So they have to make sure they get this car right from the start. And I think they've got it right because why? You know, Toyota has been building on the Vios Gazoo Racing program yep. to show the sporty side of their cars, to show their, you know, their, their, their ability to excite consumers beyond just being a, a commuter car. So, you know, even though it's not going to be that fast, because why? You're looking at saving fuel. Yeah. But the fact that you've got that whole excitement of owning a Vios. You know, the Vios name has been elevated. So with the hybrid version, I think they'll do very well. And of course, you know, knowing Toyota, they will price this. They'll look at what the competition is priced. And they will definitely price this slightly lower. Just slightly. Just to be able to say, hey, we're cheaper. You know? Because it's a very price-sensitive market. It's, it's going to be below 100000 So it's a very price-sensitive market. And in that segment, they've got lots and lots to compete with as well. Yes, yes. You have a lot to compete with, but also you have local local brands. You've got Proton and Perdua in the same segment. Yeah. Can we say, would it convince a Perdua user to move up the ladder? It has been happening for a long time already. A lot of Perdua owners, if they want to move up in, in the game, mm. the first two brands they look at is Toyota and Honda. If they've really got money, they'll still look at Toyota and Honda, but they look at the higher models like the Corolla Altis, right now the Corolla Cross, and they look at the HRV from Honda or the Civic. Uh, I gotta say, the Toyota Vios can be considered many families' favorite sedan. And you know, by the looks of what uh, Toyota Thailand have put out in the teaser, it looks really, really gorgeous. So there we have it. Our discussion on the all-new Toyota Vios. Incoming when, Daniel? When can we expect this in Malaysian markets? Well, um, there are strong rumors in the, in the next in this coming quarter, but I think it's more towards the end of the year. Alright, so that's uh, it. Our discussion on the all-new Toyota Vios coming soon to Malaysian markets. And now we're going to go for another short break. And when we come back, we've got a used car guide. The Nissan Serena 2.0 from 20 years ago. Right here on Cruise Control BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, it's Cruise Control, Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez tonight on the show. Thanks for sticking with us. And now um, we've come to the final part of the program. Uh, we're going to give you a used car review of the second generation Nissan Serena. Now, a lot of people would have you know, forgotten about a Nissan Serena when it comes to buying a used MPV. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Because they sold so many of these units from the first generation right up to the current generation this this is the second right the one i'm reviewing today is the second generation i think maybe they sold like 10,000 units or 12,000 because the total sales of serenas in the country is already passing 45,000 units mm-hmm. okay so each generation they've done a pretty good number now the first generation was a little bit dumpy it was more rounded it looked like a like a mock and mindy vehicle you know like an egg you know <laughs> yes i remember those, it. those who know, can remember mock and mindy anyway this one is square boxy now when it came out when it initially came out a lot of people were not drawn to it but when they started seeing the popularity of the toyota alpha 
the first alphabet. Now, why I say the alphabet? Because if you put these two side by side, they look almost the same. Hmm, the shape, huh? In, yeah, the shape is almost the same. It's square, it's boxy, it's got a slanted nose, it's got a heavy chrome grille in front and big headlamps. That's true. Now, if you take away the Nissan badges and you drove into you know somebody's uh, neighbourhood where they don't know much about cars and you told them, hey, this is my new Alphard. They say, oh, okay. <laughs> they won't flinch, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, when they launched this car, it was about 120,000 ringgit brand new. It was big, it was spacious. It was a van, yes, but it was comfortable inside. It had proper, you know, seven-row seats. The seats could be moved around. You could remove the third-row seat to create a lot of space. It had sliding doors. Now, sliding doors are a big benefit, especially in Malaysia, because car park spaces are narrow. So when you get into a narrow space, you have a sliding door. It's easier for people at the back to get in and out, okay? And you had a very, very reliable and strong 2-litre engine. Now, a lot of people might say, oh, you know, 2-litre engine, not enough power, la, this, la, that, la. But come on, you had 145 horsepower and 179 newton meters of torque. I know a lot of families fully loaded, went up and down Genting Highlands, no issue, mm-hmm. you know? The next thing a lot of people should understand is when you buy MPVs, you don't buy it to race along the highway. You don't buy it to be zooming down at 200, 250 kilometers an hour, which you do see with a lot of luxury MPV owners, I'm sure, right? Mm. So let's come back to the three now. Now, why I looked at giving advice on buying this used Serena is simply this. A lot of families today are looking at, you know, I, I have to expand. I, I need an MPV. Now, if you want to buy a new MPV, they're all compact MPVs right now. Now, compact MPVs, now the third row seats can be a little bit tight, okay? So, you might have small kids. But then again, you're driving long distance, you're balik kampung and this and that and all that. You would like something that will fit a child comfortably with luggage at the back. You don't want to be putting luggage in between, you know, on their lap, underneath the seat, you know, and all that. You want to have proper luggage space. So when you look at this, the, the Nissan Serena, this model, this model is codenamed the C24. So if you, if you go on uh, the classifieds, you can, you know, it'll be easy for you to find. It's got enough space in the boot for luggage, soft luggage, and also a couple of big bags. Plus, you can seat seven people in comfort. Six people in absolute comfort. When I say absolute, means... No question about it, you know? Yep. I've put even pictures of the interior. You can see the, even the middle row seats. There's a handrest for it, you know? Yeah. They're quite defined. So, you know, when you sit in it, you've you got some, some, some security in terms of holding you together, you know? Right. And the Serena's, which even till the, the latest model, they all have for the middle row, the front seats, the back of the front seats have little collapsible tables. They're like aircraft little tables. They're great, you know, like if you want to, you know, if you're gaming, your, your kids are gaming at the back yeah. or they want to put their drinks or they want to have a small picnic, you know, like take out a little tapo and makan something. Eh? Yeah. It's great. It's got all the little convenience features. On top of that, they've got air conditioning vents at the back. So if you're on a long distance journey or even just driving around in the city, uh, you know, like from PJ going to KL and, you, you know, you're going to be 45 minutes to an hour in heavy traffic. You have air conditioning vents to make sure all your passengers are comfortable. So when you look at all these features and then you think the car comes with, I mean, the MPV comes with original 15-inch wheels. Most owners by now would have upgraded to 16 or 17. But I'm telling you this, 15-inch is the way to go when it comes to family MPVs. Because why? You use bigger profile tyres, it's more comfortable, it rides over speed bumps and potholes and... and, and and everything else that's wrong with our roads, much better. You get what I mean? Yeah. The Serena comes with a column shift gear. Now, when you have a column shift gear, that means you're sitting at the steering rack, which means between the front two seats, there's a walkthrough to go at the back. 
Okay? Right. Now, you don't want anyone walking through while you're driving. It's dangerous because they're not in their seats, not using a seatbelt. But in an emergency, say now you've got a child in the middle row, right? Mm. And they've gotten frantic. They've dropped their drink. They've just started crying. Or, you know, if it's a young child, maybe they've, they've in their seat, they've just done their business, you know? <laughs> it's, it's easy for the parent to walk through without getting out of the vehicle. So I'm not saying do it while you're driving. You can stop at the side, but you don't have to open the door to get out and get to the back. You get what I mean? Yes, it's very accessible from the front row. Yes, so families will enjoy having this feature when they have young kids. So if you look at the vehicle online, there are so many for sale. And when I say so many, because they sold so many, a lot of people have upgraded to either the luxury MPVs or recon MPVs or whatever else. So prices have come down to quite reasonable levels. Now, I saw a 2003 version going for 23,000 ringgit. Now, 23,000 ringgit for a Nissan that is, you know, 18, 19 years old. It's not going to be a problem because why? Spare parts are easy to get. These cars are reliable. Most of them driven by families. The mileage could be high, maybe 200, 250,000. But even if you're doing a complete overhaul in a few months' time, it won't cost you an arm and a leg. You get what I mean? Yeah. Right. So, there was even one unit, a 2003 unit, which actually had low mileage. You know, they, they said they got the full service history and they were asking for 23,000 also. So, right. you know, with full service history means they can't be lying because the history goes back to the time the car was bought. Mm. And the low mileage should tally with the, the history. But because the values have all dropped, they were selling for 23,000. Now, it still came with the original 15-inch wheels, which means this person never abused the vehicle. He just used it for transportation, you know? Yeah. So when you see something like this, you say, hey, why not, you know? And look at it. It's a nice, you know, in terms of design, it doesn't look dated. It doesn't look like, hey, you know, this one like, betul-betul lama punya kereta, you know? Yes, yes, yes. It does okay? hold the kind of new age kind of design language with the shape even. Yes, because MPVs are generally big, bold, square. Precisely. And this is bold and square. Yeah. And if you look at the interior, a lot of these MPVs, even after, you know, 10, 15 years in, in family usage, it's very hard-wearing. At the most, you'll get some scratches on the skid plate, on, on, the, on the door panels and all that. But the seats, you don't, you, see, you don't see torn seats, you know, you don't see roof linings that are sinking. And, you know, let me tell you this, like, if, if you come to me and say, Daniel, I'm looking for a second-hand MPV, my budget is a bit tight, you know, um, what do you think? I'll say, okay, look at this Nissan Serena. The price is about 23000 Let's just put it, a general figure of having 26000 Do you have 26000 Then they'll say, oh, why, why so much? The car is twenty three. why twenty six? Let's put aside 10% of the purchase value, which is about 2000 plus, right? Mm-hmm. That money you put aside, because when you buy something as old as this, when you buy something as, you know, maybe looking at the mileage 200,000 plus in the next few months you might have to change probably the suspension you might have to do a top overhaul you might have to change the car battery you might have to change the alternator you might have to upgrade the aircon system you know uh, 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 refurbish the aircon system you get what I mean? yeah so at least you have that money set aside now if you put aside 26, 27,000 at the worst 27,000 and get something like this you can be assured that for the next few years you're going to have reasonable trouble-free motoring and comfortable motoring right now three years passes and you say okay lah i got a bit more money i want to upgrade how much can you lose maybe five six seven thousand 
Because it's already so so low, you know the price. Yeah. So selling it, you're not going to lose much money. The next owner is going to get a car that you know it's got your service history in honesty. So I think it's a pretty good, decent vehicle to buy right now if you're on a budget. Right. Now, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I might as well go and get myself a new compact MPV for seventy thousand. I'm not saying don't. If you have the money, why not? But that seventy thousand new compact MPV against this for a quarter the price. Sorry, not a quarter, a third the price. Yeah. That extra money might go into grocery shopping, might go into your house payments, might go into your credit card bill, whatever else that you need. Right now, think about buying something that's sensible, used, and low maintenance. Yeah, I think sensible is the right way to describe second generation Serena. It's 2.0, gives yeah. the right power for an MPV. But Rotex will be 300 ringgit, you know. Wow, okay, that's that's all right. Your insurance will be probably less than 500 ringgit because it's it's 20,000 ringgit. Can we foresee any possible issues in a car yes. of this model? Yes. Okay, so this engine basically is I wouldn't like to use the word but I'll use it bulletproof. These Nissan engines are bulletproof unless it's badly maintained. So service history is very important. And because you got so many in the market, you can actually say, "Hey, no service history, I don't buy." You know? Right. You can take your time to look for it. The other problem is the CVT gearbox. Now, Nissan's like to use CVT. This is not a conventional auto gearbox. It's belt-driven gearbox. Now, when a belt-driven gearbox, the wear and tear can be harsh and it can be expensive to fix. Now, a lot of CVT gearbox tend to uh, fail after some time. And why they fail is because maintenance was not done properly. This is because a lot of times when you go to the service center, while it's under warranty, you say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." service service and they'll do the thing but after your warranty you go to an outside workshop and when you go to the outside workshop some workshops never bother with the CVT oil change or they never bother to check the belt some of them will just service the car you as an owner don't realize that your CVT needs a belt change every every uh, certain amount of kilometers you have to check the booklet for that or you need to change the oil even in a conventional gearbox a lot of people just forget to change the oil until the gearbox fails right so It's a wear and tear item. It generates a lot of heat. So, what do you do if if you're not sure about how the gearbox was maintained with a CVT? It's very easy to check. You just need to take it out on a highway drive, up to about 100 to 110 kilometers. Now, why? A lot of salespeople will tell you, no, no, no need to test drive, bros. Just bring your mechanic. Even a mechanic comes and checks. He can't open the gearbox to check, right? Yeah. So you need to go for a test drive. This is when again you must tell the dealer, listen. I I heard this on BFM. Daniel said I need to test drive it. You know I'm not buying it. So they'll be forced to take you for test drive. Okay. So find a highway, go up to 100 kilometers. Because why? You should not be listening. You should be listening out to hear if there's any whining noises. Now why 100 kilometers? Because the whining noise will start from about 70, 80 kilometers to 100 kilometers. You get what I mean? Yeah. Now that is the f- the first sign. that something is really wrong with the CVT. Now, no matter what the used car dealer tells you to listen, CVT is giving problem, either you do the repair for me and sell it to me or you sell it to me at a lower price, I'll take it outside and get it repaired and then I have a peace of mind because I know what has been done to the gearbox, right? Yeah. Now, if the dealer really really refuses for you to go on a test drive because they so have issues, you know, when when you test drive the car, you're racking up miles, they're worried that you might get into an accident or maybe the road tax is expired and all that. So the next nearest thing you can do is when you're in the lot when you engage the gear okay just to move forward and backward 
the the engagement of the gear should be very very smooth the slightest judder the slightest hint of hesitation could be cvt issues right so this is a, a backup plan like if you can't go for a test drive but the test drive is the best way because why when you hear that whining noise you know there's something wrong you know right and where where is the noise coming from it's because you see this is a van the gearbox actually sits right below the dashboard the center the center console right so you can hear it very well make sure you don't switch on the radio hmm. and make sure you keep the windows up that's how you tell yes then of course because it's a mpv you have to check the shock absorber the one you can just rock the van a little bit from the outside why shock absorbers were, are the first things to go because why if you're always carrying a heavy load it's always you know getting bumped and hit and 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 uh, trash you know on yep. on our roads correct yeah so you just push down and make sure it doesn't sag make sure it bounces back properly things like that even if you manage to go on a test drive if you take a corner if you see it wallowing then you understand but you know suspension is not expensive to change but these are little things you can check then of course check all the seats what what i mean by check all the seats make sure they can recline make sure they can move make sure they can go forward and backwards because some family friendly vehicles get abused by the family you know yeah so the seats might not move the seats might not recline the headrest might be broken these are things you want to check and make sure they're all working and and, and running smoothly that's basically the general check the rest is all just basic general you know used car checklist yeah uh, that's our used car review of a second generation Nissan Serena from about 2003 and the prices Daniel from as low as 20000 to as high as 30000 30000 you'll get an immaculate condition full service history everything there ready for you to go that's not bad for a 20 year old car that's meant to move people uh, it's not going to give you speed but it gives you security it gives you comfort right. especially for school runs or even with elders to drive around exactly exactly you got it right yep Okay, so um, that brings us to the end of this week's edition, that used car review of second-generation Nissan Serena. If you miss any part of the show, do check out our podcast that's on the BFM app. You can get it on the App Store or Google Play. So until next week, I've been Ali Johan, together with Daniel Fernandez on Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.